Kickstart My Heart Lev Man. It is a big, big day. It is Friday. We are on the cusp of another weekend, and it, there's a lot to cover in a short period. Lots of time. to cover. Lots Welcome to cover. to the greatest pod show or podcast in the history of the world. We normally do about an hour. Um, well, there's big news. There's first off big news. I just found out about this yesterday, and it sort of has to do with you, um, with 1973, the podcast. The podcast is officially on Apple. So all of you Apple listeners, you no longer have to go to Lev's Facebook page to look at our faces. And then it, the video stops every time you put your phone <laughs> or, you, you know, you, you, you uh, put your phone on, uh, you know, uh, shut your phone off, whatever. So now you can. We're take on Spotify. You have anywhere three ways you now. Yeah. Spotify, you have three. Apple. Yes. So. But super, I was, I was, are you going to let me talk? It was, I was super excited about this. And so we hope that people will follow us uh, via the podcast, the way that it was intended. Right, Lev, man. So we are much better to be listened to than to be looked at. And uh, we acknowledge and embrace that. And so it's an exciting day. So go follow us, type in 1973, and then you got to scroll a little bit and we'll pop up. We're uh, building up some uh, followers. So it's pretty exciting stuff. And I got big news for you. You didn't know this. You know what show this is? This is number five, z- uh, backwards, right? Five, zero, 50. So this is our 50th show. And then no, remember, we, we, have include, the mess- we don't include the three hidden episodes that we had. So, so, so that means we really did do 52. We're already up to 53. And that's, you know, it's interesting. I did want to send a shout out to Barry Martin, who now says he can, he's going to get it on Apple, which I just think is really cool. I, I don't really know how that works that much because I've never really done Apple Podcasts. I'm assuming, I guess, the next step would be get it into the Google Android. Is that like our next? And then we really have everything finished, right? No, I, I mean, Google subscribers can get it on Spotify, but Apple Podcasts, oh, okay. it, if you have an iPhone, I, I don't know if you do, but uh, so if you have an iPhone, you don't? Okay. So if you have an iPhone, it's super easy. There's a purple icon, the microphone. Um, I'm just a real big pan, fan of podcasts, and I have been probably for the last like year and a half, and then we started this, and I got to become a bigger fan of podcasts, but... Um, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you can figure out and watch whatever you want, but or listen to whatever you want. But uh, it's really cool. So I'm thrilled to be uh, on Apple's podcast. And we're joining the likes of the great Eric Connor, who also has a podcast. He does have with um, the best interview he ever did. Backlot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The backlot. Yeah, he's got some pretty big names on that. So everyone who but listens, Dolph is, to I mean, for personal reasons, Dolph is my, you know, my big go-to. Yeah. 80s go-to. You're Bashar. Yeah. I got it. Um, all right. <laughs> Let's kick it. We got a lot to talk about. I know, I know we got a lot. Um, so two really great championship games last week. Um, of course, I was 0 for 2. I did pick the Chiefs, although I'm glad I was wrong. And then I picked the 49ers who had a 17-7 lead, who, you know, for some reason the Rams always had trouble beating them. Uh, you were right on that prediction. Uh, I would like to start off first with the Kansas City-Cincinnati uh, game. I mean, Joe Burrows is amazing. This guy won a national championship only a couple years ago and is in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, they're calling him, I think it's uh, Joe Cool 
you know, he's similar to Montana in that respect that he's, you know, he's what, 25 and there's not, not too much moving him and that he might be the best quarterback in, in the NFL right now and uh, might even catch up to, to Mahomes very soon. So I know that you're pulling for uh, LA because you, you guys, you're Georgia quarterback there, but I think in the Super Bowl, if you're going by quarterbacks alone, I think Joe Burrow's got the advantage uh, with the youth, but also he just seems like he's he's been there before, even though he hasn't even been at this level before. He's won an SEC championship game, and he's won a college football championship, and now he's in the biggest game of uh, his life. With He's got a lot of great skilled players there. Um, I know they were running a, a three-front defense against the Chiefs, and I just don't know how you know they pulled it off. I guess we we were really selling low on the Chiefs. I, excuse me on the Bengals all year. Maybe it's just because of their their history as a team, the Bengals, that this is their third Super Bowl appearance, but they hadn't won a playoff game since 1990. But it uh, seems like they uh, are doing a great job. And if I'm correct, their head coach used to be an assistant coach for the Rams, right? Their head coach, the Bengals head coach? Yeah, I thought that he used to be one of the Rams coaches. Uh, I think he was, isn't, who is their head coach? I don't even know who the Bengals head coach. I thought it was uh, the Eagle, one of the Eagles' former coaches. I thought it was Zach Taylor. It is Zach Taylor. So I had no idea who I Zach think he Taylor coached in Philly for a little bit. Until yeah. recently. Yeah. Oh, is he one of Dougie Pete's coaches? Yeah, so I think so. And so I want to comment on a couple of things she said. First of all, Joe Burrows, Joe Cool. Get it? Burr. So that's pretty uh, cool. That's pretty cool. Second thing is, Joe, I read this week that Joe Burrow would be the first quarterback to win the Heisman, um, win the national championship, and win a Super Bowl, which is kind of surprising that no other quarterback has done that. So maybe one of our well, – One, one would have thought of Montana, but – Montana wasn't like a big, big college football name, it didn't seem like. Even though he did go far with Notre Dame, he just didn't seem to have that, you know, mistake. So. Yeah, yeah. But you would think, uh, yes, that's crazy because Peyton Manning, right? Peyton Manning, the Tennessee won a national title the year after he left. They won with T. Martin. So anyway, yeah. it's, it's kind of wild when you think about that. So that's one thing. The other thing is you think about Joe Burrow. Uh, we talked about the bang- Bengals last week. By the way, Erock says you say Bengals like the 1980s group, the Bengals, and he said it is. Bang- oh, really? He sent me a text about this, so just you know, take that for I what like it the is. Bangles. I it, think it, the Bengals '87. Yeah, hazy shade of winter. But for a minute there, it sure looked like we were going to get a, a rematch for the third time between the Bengals and the 49ers, and uh, yeah. that game was just so back and forth. Both these games were so good, so back and forth. Um, you know, the, the last two weeks of the NFL playoffs have been as good as any two weeks leading into the Super Bowl. So we can only hope that the Super Bowl will be as good. I agree about Joe Burrow. And it is crazy to think that he has, you know, he literally, he went from Ohio State to LSU, won a title at LSU with Jamar Chase, who is his star receiver on the Bengals now. Then he went to the league last year, tore up his knee, tore, tore an ACL. So he, this is his comeback year, making his comeback year, and now he's in the Super Bowl. I mean, this is just a remarkable – and the dude, is just he just has that it factor, kind of like you. Like, you just have yeah. that it, that gravitation. Oh, I have that it? I just pronounced <laughs> it on our, on our podcast. But, you, you know, yeah. you kind of have just that it factor, and, and that's, uh, that's what Joe Burrows has. And 
you know, is he, I, he's not on the homes level yet. I don't, I wouldn't put him there, but I do think the league is he's in pretty good close, hands. Though. Yeah, I think the league is in good hands with uh, there's a number of young quarterbacks in the league now that, uh, you know, with Josh Allen, I think Kyler Murray is a really exciting young quarterback. Uh, you obviously have Mahomes, you have Burroughs, um, you know, whether or not you want to put Dak in that, in that category. Or that's Lamar, Lamar Jackson yeah. would Lamar be, Jackson's I don't another know. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and uh, Justin Hebert too, sir. Uh, yeah. Justin Herbert rather. I always want to say Hebert. Um, So it's exciting. Uh, Super Bowl is going to be next, not this weekend, next weekend. Next weekend. So we can, we can get a little deeper into that and break down some. What did you think of the Rams game? Did you, did you watch a lot of the Rams game? I watched all the Rams game. I thought it was really entertaining. It's so so funny. I told someone it was, it was, this happens very rarely. I will watch a game and literally have no clue. I couldn't get a read on which team was actually going to win because the momentum just seemed like it went back and forth and swung so violently for both teams. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah, there was a nice moment at the end of the game. Uh, you know, Diva Samuel was crying on the sideline or just was really discouraged. And OB, OB, uh, OBJ went over there. Or, oh, I guess it's Odom. Oh, I got to get this call. You keep talking. Hold on. Yeah, no, Beckham was over there comforting him, which I which I just think is pretty cool. And that's something we don't, you know, we don't see a lot in sports. And it just shows you the the brotherhood of, of sports right now. And and one thing again I keep getting back to through this podcast is the uh, the presence of fandom. And fandom has been there throughout. Um yeah. So I'm gonna pull um all right. It's a shame they missed that whole conversation. Uh, yeah. Well, so, but we were talking about Super Bowls. Today is the fourth anniversary of the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. That's right, and, man. Uh, yeah, that was uh, an exciting time, and um, I just think people were so happy. And I, you know, it didn't matter political views or anything. It was just people were just happy. Um, and uh, yeah, um, speaking. Uh, wait, wait, can I, can I ask you a question before yeah, you jump okay. from the one of no, the no, no, go ahead. moments in my entire life? Yeah. Um, I'd love to know just from you, what at what moment in that game, when you were watching it, did you finally feel like, holy smokes, we are going to win the Super Bowl? Like, was there a seminal moment of that game where I you think were just we, like, I think it was the strip. It was the, the strip of Brady. I mean, because they were going down to, I don't remember what the score was there, but. Well, no, it was 38-33, right? Mm-hmm. And they were going down to, you know, go ahead. And how many times have we seen Tom Brady go ahead? Yep. Um, and I remember earlier in the day. The I think boss- it was 35-33. And then the Eagles, they, the strip sack came, and then we kicked the field goal and made it 38-33, I think. Okay. <laughs> I thought the game was 41-33. But um, I just remember how obnoxious. You're right. It was 41-33. I remember how obnoxious the Boston NBC affiliate was. You know, we have sports networks, Philly, we got Philly, Comcast Sports, and their affiliate was so obnoxious. And they're like, no, you're not going to have a chance. So there was talk about that on the radio today about how people knew. Um, And I think a lot of it had to do with um, the Foles performance in the championship game. Because if you had seen the Atlanta Eagles divisional game, you probably didn't have that much encouragement watching it. I was out in LA watching that game and the Eagles looked awful. 
I know they stopped them from from scoring at the end of the game, but he didn't really have a strong belief that Foles was going to go out in the championship game and be that amazing against Minnesota. I mean, some people actually had Minnesota winning the game, which is now ridiculous. Um, but, you know, Foles had a great game, so there was a belief that he could do that in the Super Bowl as well, and he did. I mean, he had a great game. It's just the other guy passed for, what, close to 500 yards? or I mean, Over 500. Over 500 yards. I mean, that was the bender break. Ben not break uh, Jim Schwartz defense there where, um, you know, they gave up so many yards. I mean, I guess Jonathan Gannon's role model is uh, Jim Schwartz to a certain degree. It's interesting that you, you change one deep coordinator for another who's basically has the same philosophy. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think it was this, I guess the strip and that was exciting. I mean, Hard, hard to argue that. I think one of the more underrated plays, at least for me, was that Zach Ertz conversion on fourth down. Yeah. That was such – I remember after that thinking, holy shit, we may actually pull this out. Like, I, it just – and, you know, I just thinking about the playoffs with the whole play – and you mentioned the Falcons with Keon. And I was in a bar in Atlanta, and it was like – it was a Philly bar in Atlanta. It's called Rocky Mountain Pizza for any of the Atlanta fans out there. Um, it's called Rocky Mountain Pizza, and it was like the videos that I posted from that night. You would never know you were in Atlanta. It was rowdy. Yeah. It was loud. It was packed. We couldn't even get in the bar, so they set up two huge TVs outside. I mean, Philly fans were all over the place. It was the best environment, and when Keanu Neal, remember that ball, hit him, like it was perfectly thrown right to him, bounced off his knee, and Chory Smith caught the ball. At that point, I was like, this feels like there could be something bigger going on here. Um, Cause you're right. The Eagles played horribly. And then after that bounce, it seemed like they just got some mojo from that. Yeah. And then they went on and, and absolutely hammered, hammered the Vikings the and Patrick yeah. Robinson with his pick, amazing pick six. And there were just some, some, but I mean, just watching that Eagles Patriots game, there were so many plays, you know, Alshon Jeffries, unbelievable touchdown catch. Um, Zach Ertz. Zach Zach Ertz Ertz. With, a, with the touchdown reception. Completely. So many Amazing. great memories. But yeah, and so that's a good segue into our next segue, which you mentioned was? Uh, the head coach of that team who got fired, who wasn't the head coach this year, Doug Peterson just got a new job today as the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, this is something we had talked about a number of weeks ago that we thought he would be a perfect fit. He's a quarterback guru, although I don't know if he's much of a quarterback guru. Um <laughs> With, he worked with Carson Wentz, and now he'll uh, be working with uh, God, Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, yep. Yeah, and you know, he probably – I mean, I guess, you know, he wasn't available last year, but after the Urban Meyer disaster, I can't think that this isn't a – anyone that was going to be hired was going to be a better match for this team. Yeah, I agree. I think he's a good fit now – uh there was some and i'm excited and the eagles play the jags next year dougie p comes yeah. back to the link so that'll be and we play the colts funny enough so uh that'll be an interesting year for the birds uh this year uh, this upcoming football season so uh get your season tickets if you don't have them you know and i think people will treat doug with uh the respect and the admiration and the love that he so rightly deserves you know, I know the last season didn't end the way we wanted it to, but he took us to a place that I know I never thought we would be there truly. And so there's, I have nothing, but, but you know, listen, I hope he is the best thing that ever happened to the Jags. 
um, you know, we'll, we'll see what he's happens. like a nice guy. A nice yeah, like a great guy. Yeah. And I love that in the parade, someone tossed him a beer and he caught it with one hand. Did you ever see that? No, I didn't. I really wish I had gone to the parade. It was freezing that day. If I remember, I watched it on TV, but I wish I had gone. Uh, I would be happy to see a Sixers parade. Um, so uh, that would be the one I'd want to go to or Philly's parade because it's right. warmer weather. Yeah. Yeah. I went to the Phil's parade with summer and I went. And, I know. Yeah. Uh, before we switch over into maybe basketball, I do want to talk about something that went down this week. And that is, we would be remiss not to talk about the Brian Flores. Brian Flores lawsuit. And yeah. right. And so uh, I have some commentary, but I, I'll first let you start and then I'll, I'll kind of wrap, wrap so, up. Some of the, the charges were that, well, the main charge was that uh, recently, um, I forget what the Brian, the other Brian's name Brian was. Brian Gable. Brian Gable, who was Gable. the D -D -D. offensive or defensive coordinator for the Offensive Bills. coordinator for the Bills. He was the offensive coordinator for the Bills, um, was hired recently by the Giants they have a new general manager with ties to the bill. So he was brought in. Um, both he and Brian Flores were former assistant coaches of, um, of Bill Belichick. And so he had them right next to one another. And um, before Brian Flores was able to ever interview for the job, um, Bill Belichick accidentally texted him a message saying, congratulations, I believe you're going to get the job. He was speaking with certainty. Um, and it turns out that, of course, he was speaking about the other Brian who did get the job, even though Brian Flores proceeded to have an interview with the Giants. So Bill Belichick knew that he had gotten the job, the other Brian, even before Flores got the job. And this is just something that keeps going on in the NFL a lot. Would that basically cover it? And the $100,000 uh, bonus idea from Steve Ross, the owner of the Dolphins? Right. And yeah, just in that Belichick, Belichick said, hey, you, you know, like you said, when you got the job and he said, hey, did you mean to text uh, Dable or Flores? And he's like, oh, uh, BD or sure. something. Yeah. yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I, I, he's like, I, you know, F this up. And so there you have it. I mean, it's it's and Belichick has Belichick has not been heard from since then, which sort is of denies it. I mean, you know, that's what when you don't have credibility in the, in the way of like a Bill Belichick, because you treat the, the media like a prick. Well, here's an example. They're not going to trust you. And so this is an example of when you're an asshole to the press, they're not going to give you a pass. Right. And so, uh, but I think the, the, the big issue, obviously the overlying issue. So I want to say one thing about Brian Dayball, like he, he actually is who I wanted as the Eagles coach last year. Uh, yeah. I just so so I think from a credential perspective, he is going to be a good hire and I like him. Uh, I think he's innovative. I like what he's done, what he was able to do with uh, with Allen up in uh, Buffalo. So I, I totally get that. However, the NFL has a major, major racial problem slash, you know, is is run by a bunch of, you know, uh, you know, good old boy network. And it is incredibly disheartening. 
the fact that, you know, they have the Rooney rule in place, which requires- Which is a bullshit rule. I mean, it doesn't work, the Rooney rule. And that's what Flores was talking about. And Brian Flores is 40 years old, okay? He came off of two winning seasons, two consecutive winning seasons with the Dolphins. Uh, He won, uh, I think it was eight of his last nine games with the Dolphins, 40 years old. And when he got canned, we said on the show a few weeks ago what a raw deal he got and how we yeah. would love to have him as a DC if Jonathan Gannon gets a job. So the problem here is that you are left with, and then David Culley is another black head coach who was ridiculously fired um, right. from the Texans. No the team had no talent. Whatsoever. No talent. And yeah. another guy. So there is one black head coach left in the NFL. And you're right. The Rooney rule Mike is it, yeah. right. Mike Tomlin. Thank you. And the Rooney rule is, is garbage because it's not it's not helping um, minorities find head coaching jobs and that's what it's designed to do and instead you have what is happening to Brian Flores where he is just a token interview after they've already been decided you know after the candidate has already been decided you know you look at and, and the this problem I was just going to ask one thing maybe you can explain it so I understand the Giants angle and I understand the Dolphins who are two of the teams being sued I don't understand the the Broncos uh, situation. I didn't read that either. I'm not sure what that was uh, about either. Uh, but Brian Flores is basically sacrificing his career. He's not going to probably get another job in the league. Hopefully a college job. I thought maybe a college job. That would hopefully. be awesome. But he's 40 years old, sacrificing right. himself. And he brought a, a suit against the NFL. He's suing the NFL. The NFL, within two hours, basically came back and said that his suit had no merit, which is amazing because his suit – uh, was dismissed much quicker than than Tommy Brady's inflate, deflated balls was suit was uh, was yeah. ever you know dismissed. So that's really disheartening to me that Brian Flores. This is happening. I, I'm going to give you a few names, okay? Brian Flores, um, Jim Caldwell, David Culley, three black coaches. Mm. Who like, Culley was is the lone exception, but Jim Caldwell finished with the Lions nine and seven a few years ago. And then uh, Dave Campbell took over, and they're three and thirteen. And somehow, and then uh, Caldwell was yeah yeah. I'm sorry. Called no, it's fine. Caldwell was fired. Right, Brian Flores. We just explained to you. He had two straight winning seasons for the Dolphins. He was encouraged by the owner to tank games, which obviously that would be a bad idea because then that would be a reason to fire him. David Culley got the the biggest screw job since Bret Hart in WrestleMania eight against uh, the HBK. But then you have guys like. Byron Leftwich, Eric Bieniemy, Todd Bowles, Deuce Staley, DeMar- DeMarco, uh, D'Amico Ryans, right? Five very qualified head coaching jobs, uh, uh, black head coaches, you know, coordinators. Why can none of these guys get a job? And there were how many openings this offseason? 13? There were like eight or nine, actually. There were, I think there were multiple because I, I don't know what – now, what happened with the Raiders? Did they hire Josh McDaniels? Yeah. Okay. You know, it's interesting. I, I mean, Flores' numbers, if you look at his numbers, he might be the most successful disciple of Bill Belichick record-wise because, yeah. because it's interesting. Most of his coaches have really struggled. And that guy you mentioned, you mentioned the Detroit Lions boy, this Matt Patricia, was an awful head football coach. Horrendous. 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 You're right. You're right. Horrendous. And again, Jim Caldwell took that team nine and seven. He hasn't even yeah. gotten a sniff as a head coach. Are you kidding me? You like, there is a problem. 
There is yeah. absolutely a problem in football. And I just don't know how do you fix it though. That's the that's the real issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing is, is it's very sad and it's very disheartening that uh, the best coaches are not selected as good. And and you're telling me, you are telling me, and and I saw that Byron Leftwich withdrew his name from Jacksonville because I I guess he didn't want to work with Trent Balky. So that's uh-huh. fine. Um, but you're telling me the Houston Texans, they believe that Jonathan Gannon is going to be a better head coach than any of those guys I, I mentioned. He didn't, he got the job, Jonathan no, Gannon. No, but he's a finalist. I, well, the, the, the Cade McNall is the most ridiculous. The fact that he's in there, that he's no, never Josh, Josh McNall, Josh McNall, that he's never coached at any level. They had Chuck Pagano yesterday on the NFL Network. And what he was saying is one of the major issues with, you know, NFL coaching is that if you're not someone that makes the NFL, you go in immediately and you're like at the totem pole, the bottom of the totem pole, you do the nonsense stuff that your average 30 something year old retired football NFL player is not going to want to do. You got to do the grunt work, but, but, um, but McNow hasn't done anything. And at least you'd want him to be, some sort of an assistant coach at this point, whether it starts with maybe a quarterback coach. Um, like I was surprised, you know, looking, I was, I was doing a little bit of looking back at the old Cincinnati Bengals team of that 81 team. I didn't know Kenny Anderson came back into the league and coached. He was a quarterback's coach forever. So, I, I mean, yeah. I, I think, and all these guys like left, which, they are putting in the time coaching. It's not like they're going and they're they're going right from the broadcast booth to um, to being a head coaching candidate. It doesn't work, right? And like, how do you like Eric Bieniemy is the offensive coordinator for the Chiefs, who have the one of the most explosive offense, and he has been for years. Now I've heard he doesn't interview well, particularly. You know, and I heard that one thing that's against him is he's not calling plays. That Reed is still calling the plays. Doug Peterson didn't call plays. He did okay. I don't think Andy Reid called the plays when he was hired by the Eagles. Right. So the NFL, you got to do better. There is obviously a problem. It is rampant. It is widespread. And it sucks because people like people will continue to tune in. And it's like, when is enough? How do you bring about the change that you you hope to see? So I hope that that somebody, uh, w- you know, one of these remaining jobs that are open somebody does the right thing and hires one of these like D'Amico Ryan's everyone says that guy is going to be an unbelievable head coach you know he's defensive he, he's a former eagle right D'Amico yeah Ryan. he's yeah he's, he was the dc at san francisco i mean wasn't he the wasn't he the uh the LeSean mccoy deal that was the mccoy deal right he no, came that, from you're thinking kiko alonzo no D'Amico. another D'Amico, they, yeah they got from the texans so, I mean, that's a perfect case in point, right? Why are the Texans not even talking to D'Amico Ryans for that gig? Maybe, unless he, maybe he doesn't want it, but I haven't heard anything. And this is a guy who used to play for that organization. So it's disgusting. I hate what's going on in the NFL. And I'm not saying that like there aren't capable white coaches. What I'm saying is there are capable black coaches who are not getting an opportunity. Well, you would hope it would come to the point where it's whoever's the good fit and that race isn't the consideration. Obviously we're not at that point right now. Yep. Um, so that would be the ideal 
and a race-neutral society, that's ultimately what you're striving for, which is that it doesn't matter who the best qualified person sometimes is, the best fitting person, but you would hope that that wouldn't involve race. And obviously, it's still a consideration. Yep. Agreed. So, Agreed. Um, the NBA has done a much better job with it, I will say. Yeah, yeah, they, they have, they have. And some of the, some of the better coaches are black coaches. So that's, it's great. It's awesome that, that we're seeing that. So I'm glad that the NFL or the NBA, you know, that they are kind of leading the charge there. I agree with you. Um, I'll tell you who else, sorry, one last thing. This has nothing to do with race. I I feel like the, the, uh, what's his name? Bataglia. I don't know if it's Bataglia, whatever his name is from the Raiders there, that coach who got them. Thank you. Rich Bisacci, right? He he was screwed. Also, you're, you're telling me you're going to go out and hire Josh McDaniels, who has failed. And that's another thing. Like these coaches, a lot of these like white coaches are some of them are retreads and some of them are just like the fresh new face. Josh McDaniels has already failed. And you're going to take that. Right. He was the one job. though. He, he yeah, had the Denver job. And that this, was like that was 13 years ago. So if you're you, you know, if you're going under that premise. And I mean, Dick Vermeil failed, right? I mean, he failed with the Eagles and he got a second chance with the Rams and he won a Super Bowl. I what mean, mean there's he failed nothing... with the Eagles. He got the Eagles to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but ultimately it didn't work out, is what I'm saying. And because he, he didn't got win. burned out. That's why he left. Right. He didn't get fired. He was burned but out. But I think people deserve a second chance in life. And that goes for this as well. I firmly I believe in that. As someone that's had multiple chances in life who tried to figure out what he wanted to do in life for like 40 years on my part, I'd, I'd like to believe that you can screw up. Like Jim Caldwell got fired from his first job too. I'd like to think that he was able to get that second job with the Lions because he deserved a second chance. So. Yeah, I agree about second chances. My, my problem and my issue with it is this is a guy uh, who took over the Raiders gig, which was a, an absolute dumpster fire with everything yeah. that had gone on. Right. Yeah. He got this team to the playoffs. Darren Waller missed half the season. His best player, his his top wide receiver, Henry Ruggs, you know, is out of football. Because Kill someone. Of, yeah. Right. What he did. Right. So like this is you want to talk about a team like you want to talk about a coach rising to the occasion. This guy rose to the occasion and then they bring in Josh McDaniels. Like I think he got he got hosed just just like just as well as like, you know, other coaches get hosed. But the, pro- the difference is that was obviously not about race. And my issue with the NFL right now is about race and these deci- race playing a decision, uh, you know, b- being a deciding factor in these decisions. And, and it's disgusting. But you did so mention the, thing with you, the one good the one thing with the Raiders, their special example in the sense that Mark Davis has never hid when he wants to hire someone. He, he has an idea. And what happened when with Gruden, when he hired Gruden, was he he totally, you know, ha- had no. Uh, like didn't care about the Rooney role at all back when it occurred. And so they had already made this deal. So it's not a, it, it's a very, it's mean, it, you know, the Rooney role is meant for good purposes. It just has not worked. So Yeah. Yep. Um, um, fair, fair enough. Uh, I mean, it, it's only 30, you know, it's only like 34 years ago that Art Shell got the job with the Raiders. I mean, yeah. it's, I mean, that's laughable. And, you know, I think the second, African-American coach was, was Dennis Green. And, and, you know, he did a good job. And, but, and I listen, mean, it's not that long ago. 
Why? Right. And, and there are black coaches who were not good coaches. Like Hugh Jackson, I love the fact that Hugh Jackson tried to bring up the fact that he was offered to lose games or something like that. There was something with Cleveland and, and uh, he's not a good coach. Like, and that's, he wasn't look, a good coach. And, right. There's and, a lot of coaches in all kinds of colors that just aren't good coaches. And that's how yeah. it is. But well, maybe a good position coach or a good coordinator, Hugh right. Jackson was, but just not a good head coach. Right. Who was the guy? Uh, Dave Wanstat, right? Wanstat. Yeah. He was a good coordinator. Good coordinator. Terrible coach, right? Yeah. He had he struggled with both the Bears and the Dolphins. Yeah. And you ask you ask the uh, Falcons fans, they'll tell you Dan Quinn. Good, good coordinator. Not a good head coach. Now, you know, who knows? But I, I will uh, say NFL, point someone, B, NFL yeah. needs to be doing better in this situation. I, right? I And then I would be remiss not to say, you know, Dan Reeves died. And I don't know if he mentioned this, that, you know, I always That's liked like, Dan Reeves. Yeah. I always Ooh, liked That him. was a few weeks ago. He, he's, he's, oh, okay. He's, yeah, it's no, been I, But still sad, obviously. Yeah. He, very he, sad. Very sad. Never really judged as a good head coach, which is sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, he took the Falcons and the Broncos to Super Bowl. So, uh, and if Marv Levy gets in the Super Bowl and loses, why isn't Dan Reeves in the in the Hall of Fame? If Marv Levy's in the Hall of Fame, yeah, was he so, on the? Did Dan Reeves coach on those Cowboys teams? In yeah, the 70s? He in the seventies, yeah, and yeah. then got the Broncos job in eighty-one. Right. So. Right. All right. So, I'm going to pivot to NBA pivot. basketball. We've got the trade deadline coming up. February 10th, the Sixers are a team on the rise. I thought four and one in this homestand was, was going to be a good thing. I just didn't get my games right because I thought that they were going to lose to the Grizzlies and beat the Wizards. And obviously, I thought I was going to be correct because Embiid sits out. But the team has a wonderful performance on uh, Monday night against the Wizards. Tyrese Maxey puts up 33 points. Um, Duels, John Morant, like I haven't seen. I mean, it didn't look like he was the worst point guard in the in the game. I mean, he looked great. And Tobias Harris comes up with 31 points, uh, which is making me happy because I'm back on the Tobias bandwagon again. So um, it's all happy that you're back on the bandwagon. And then they come out Wednesday night, and they didn't really play poorly against the Wizards. They just didn't win. Um, Kyle Kuzma is a, a really interesting find for the Wizards. I didn't know this guy had it. He obviously didn't show it in the Lakers. Maybe he just didn't play with, with, uh, with uh, you know, LeBron, and it just didn't work. I remember a couple of years ago he had been here playing the Sixers and had like a 30-point game, but, I mean, he's the real deal. So I mentioned I wish we could get Kyle Kuzma because he'd be a, a, a wonderful find at, like, power forward. But we and he can shoot the ball, but you know, a disappointing loss. Uh, Wednesday, they do have the Mavericks tonight, it's a late game, so I guess it's a nationally televised game. For some reason, it's a 10 o'clock game on the east coast, which makes me think it's, I guess, it's their 10 o'clock game on ESPN tonight or uh, TNT. I think NBA TV. Okay, so uh, yeah, those are my thoughts leading into the Trade deadline, I've been very happy with the team. I mean, again, poor Con Corkmus is driving me crazy. He can't seem to hit a shot. Um, I know Seth Curry is coming off the ankle injury, um, so he's got some issues. But Tyrese Maxey has just been amazing. Um, I hear now with the trade rumors he's untouchable um, and that the Sixers have 
classified him as untouchable as well as Matisse Thibel. So that's where, uh, let's get into it. Yeah, we don't, have to there. we don't have tons of time to unpack here, but we'll, uh, I'll, I'll share some thoughts too. So agree with you with the Memphis game. It was really the coming of age of Tyrese Maxey. You and I have uh, stood on this pedestal for a long damn time. And I remember when we talked to Mike Curry and we talked to Jamie Lynch and we talked to everyone saying Tyrese Maxey, you and I did not want to part with Tyrese Maxey in any deal for Dame Lillard or anyone else. And I remember my argument at that time was that I think that Tyrese Maxey within two years is going to be at a level that will be equal to, or maybe even a little better than what Dame Lillard will be in a couple of years, not as right now. A very right. important distinction. Or years you, ago, right. he's not there right. anymore. Yeah. Right. And what you're seeing is this is the ascension of a, I'm not going to call him a superstar because he's not, I, it's too early for that. But this is the ascension of a, a very young, very talented, very hardworking kid who gets the city of Philadelphia. I don't know if you saw this after the Memphis game. He sits down at the podium at the press, the post-game press conference. This is only insight you'll get in 1973, by the way. <laughs> he sits down at the podium and he's, he's looking at the stat sheet and he's singing the Sixers theme song. Yeah. And, he, and he says to the reporters, he goes, what's wrong with, he goes, let's everybody sing. And he's like, what's wrong with y'all? Y'all don't smile anymore. Like this yeah. kid, you want to talk about how Ben Simmons is like on his own. Planet. Yeah. Right. This kid is everything we want. And I do yeah. not want to trade him for Dame. I don't want to trade him for Harden. I don't want to trade him for Beal. I don't want to trade him for anyone. This is a guy you build around. And, yeah. and that's what it sounds like doc said to Calipari the other day. Hey, heard that, yeah. you know, so that was, that was good to hear. I love that they're not trading Ty, uh, Matisse. Um, I think that that's also good. I do still think they're going to make some kind of smaller deal uh, to bring in some kind of help, either a shooter or a guard, something like that. Terrence um, Ross, perhaps. I mean, the name keeps, it's been going on for years, Terrence Ross, yeah. Terrence Ross, and the deal yeah. has never happened. So. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, and then you have the veteran buyout market, which could also help, you know, down the road. But, you know, here's the thing. The the, the Sixers are 31 and 20. They're a game out of first place. Uh, they're playing some really good basketball and they are having a lot of fun. And I think yeah. part of this is because they just said, they just decided like, look, I think Joel just decided like, look, this is my team you know, whatever's going on with Ben, whatever's going on outside of us, like this is how I want this team to play. This is how I want this team to be. And I think that's what he's doing. He's trying to carry this team. And, uh, you know, I, I, it's great to see Tobias has had his best couple of games this week. Uh, you know, like I said, Tyrese is, is an emerging, uh, you know, really exciting player for us. He doesn't turn the ball over. That's another thing that I love about him. So, we do need some help. I, I don't have like these false pretenses that we're going to go in and we're going to win the East or that we're going like, to There's no reason why they couldn't get to the Eastern Conference Finals this year. With the yeah, team. I mean, it, it, I think it just depends on what goes down with, uh, you know, where Brooklyn is in terms of, uh, you know, injuries and, and um, you know, I, it's, it's hard to say when those three guys are healthy, they're a hard team to beat. I still think the Bucks are still the team to beat. Uh, yeah. but, uh, you know, I think Brooklyn is going to be tough. It's, it's going to be tough. I think Miami always plays us tough. We know that. 
But uh, the thing with Joel is he is the single most dominant force probably in the league right now. Right. right I now, mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think you, you could argue KD is, is, is right there with him. Uh, but Katie's hurt. So um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting stretch run. I do think they'll make us, like I said, a small trade at the trade deadline, but uh, you know, it's, and, and I also think you got to tip your hat. Like I know we've been hard on doc rivers, but I think you got to tip your hat to doc rivers. Also, I think this is one of the best coaching jobs he's done with all the distractions that are going on here. He's mm-hmm. got this team a game out of first in the East. And that's pretty impressive at this point in the season. I um, did you watch last Saturday night's game against the Kings? We we saw uh, Therese Halliburton come out and score 38 points. And there were a lot of us that were sort of saying, yes, let's have the old Therese backcourt for the next 10 years. Let's which do would it. Be, I mean, yeah. He's, I he's, his price tag went up though after that game, I'm sure. Oh, okay. Because that here's my question for you. Here's my question for you. All right. I I know everyone's saying, Hey, and I, and I've thought about this too. I've argued that like, Hey, if you have a shot at Beal, I don't want Harden. I still don't want Harden, but if you have a shot in the off season at Bradley Beal, maybe Dame again, I'm not parting with the young talent we talked about. Um, and maybe Jalen Brown, is it worth holding on? Maybe, uh, SGA, is it worth holding on to Ben? Or let me throw another scenario at you. If you trade Ben, is Tyrese Maxey enough of a emerging player where he is legitimately your, your third star and you yeah. trade for a guy like Halliburton, you trade for a guy like Deontay Murray. And I'm throwing that name out there. You know, I've been yeah. holding on to that for dear life, but you, you make a deal for one of these young guys who is also an emerging player on the Ascension. Is that enough? Do you necessarily need a superstar if Tyrese has upped his game? Tobias is starting to play better. If you can get a point guard who can get the ball in their hands and get them the ball where they want it, I don't know. Is that enough? A guy like Tyrese, I mean, maybe that could be enough. Well, maybe you don't even need a point guard anymore. I guess you're looking for a combo guard, right? Because right. That's Maxie's a combo guard, and you're playing these two combo guards together that are playing off one another. I heard something very interesting, and he said – if Ben Simmons had finally played, this was the guard that he was looking for to play next to him all these years. Totally. Tyrese Maxey. He was what Markel Fultz was supposed to be. He was exactly you know? what Markel Fultz was. Markel is 6'4". I guess he's a little taller than Tyrese. But the fact that you had Simmons is 6'10", anyone was going to be smaller than him in the other backward position. And it's a shame uh, that he just didn't. The perfect situation for the Sixers would be that Ben Simmons would come back to the starting lineup and Tyrese Maxey would play the combo guard. And there's your starting lineup with Matisse Thibault up front. And then they go win the East. But yep. it's so ridiculous what's going on. If that could happen, it's not going to happen, obviously, but that would have been the perfect situation. And it's so stupid that he doesn't see it because yeah. Tyrese Maxey has become that. And he's so much better probably because Simmons was out of there this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't agree with the fact that people have said on the interwebs and then we got to wrap here. Cause I got to, yeah, I know you got uh, but people have said that, Hey, we would never know what Tyrese was if Ben, Ben was playing. And I disagree with that because to me, talent wins out. And I think it, ultimately yeah. at the end of the day, Ty- we still would have seen Tyrese would have been this ascending player. And we would have said, we want more of Tyrese Ben doesn't shoot the ball when he needs to shoot the ball. We got to figure out a way to get Tyrese in. Maybe he's a starter and, you know, you're, you're bringing someone else off the bench. Um, you know, I, I think, 
I think about that a lot. The other thing that I heard that was really interesting, and I'd love to just get your quick perspective on this. If they don't trend, trade Ben Simmons, all right? Yeah. What happens if Ben decides he wants his money and he wants, he's going to return to the team? If you're the Sixers, you just send him home? You send him away? Well, so uh, what I've heard is that this is going to go to arbitration. Okay. So he's going to try and get all the money back. That's why he's in Philadelphia. Right. And from what I understand, he goes and does his workouts when the team is playing their yeah. game. I heard so that. He'll go. So that's why, because when he was going to gyms, he was getting people who were finding out where he was. He goes to Camden. He does his work workouts with his, I think he has his own trainers. Yeah. So one of those games, one last week, I think like on a Friday night, he went out, went and worked out. And they said he's still watching the games, which shows you that he's still interested. That's yep. why it's so stupid, this situation, because he, he sort of wants to be a part of it, but he just, he's afraid. I think mostly he's afraid that the fans are going to boo him and that it's going to be relentless. And um, he's never had that situation before. Even though, if you remember that game seven, we were all cheering him. Yep, when encouraging he was him. Throws, encouraging him. And this is a 25-year-old. We were encouraging him like he was a youth basketball player. So he <laughs> might do it, but I think... I think he's already that's part of the reason why he's living in in, in Morris Morris town or Morris. He's living at the house doing his he's doing his workouts in Philly versus LA because he wants to build a case for arbitration. Right. Um to try and get back his money. Because right now he's on track to lose ultimate, I think he's lost 19 million already. 19 million. He, he's gonna lose 37 million because I didn't know he was getting fined for missed practices as well. I just thought it was games, but now he's been getting fined for everything. Yeah. And it's interesting because for arbitration sake too, I also wonder, does he try to report knowing full well that doc rivers will probably, or could send him away. And then if he sends him away, then is his case stronger for arbitration? I don't know. These are all things. It's going to be a hell of an, but interesting... he's already been sent away. If you think about it, he has nothing to do with the team. He's not watching video. I don't think at all this season. I mean, and then the other story was that he wanted to be visited by Doc in L.A. this summer. Uh, obviously, it's the – and I know you got to go. What was her name, the report that just came out this week? Was Ramona ridiculous. Shelburne. I mean, is this a five-year-old? that he, Right, he, Ramona Shelburne's report. Yeah, it is a five-year-old. Yeah, that although he didn't take phone calls, he still expected Doc to show up where he was working out and come to him. And, and then he, he also – yeah, and he told yeah. his teammates not to come out. So why would Doc fly cross-country to go see him? It makes no sense. And he also threw Joel Embiid under the bus because Joel Embiid had a bad game against the Raptors in 2019. And he thought that if he was going to throw a Ben under the bus, which he really did for missing a layup in the press conference, that you know he should talk about his own problems, which he's already done. Joel Embiid, if he's going to criticize someone, always criticizes himself first. So that's another bullshit charge. Yep. And yeah. So. Joel Embiid was a plus 89 in that series that uh, Ben criticized him at. So it, Ben Simmons was way, way, way below that. So, you know, he should maybe look in a mirror rather mirror. than a real, yeah. uh, stones in a glass house. Uh, quick shout out to my boy, Wayner, who is a new subscriber of our show. The okay. Wayne train is in. Uh, Matt Money, who I spoke to, who loves the show, told me. Uh, and then my sister just started listening to the show. So that's exciting. I don't and think my anyone nephew, in my, my nephew, Jake, who said he was oh. on board from day one. 
Okay, well, we'll have to get them on one of these days. And my team that I work with at, uh, at Boys and Girls Clubs of America, they said they couldn't believe that I hosted a podcast, and so I have to send them the episode. So I'm giving them a shout-out before we uh, hit the music. Any shout-outs? 30 seconds? I, you know, it's interesting. I just reconnected with Eric Blackiston. Um, we got to get and, him on. Yeah, well, I told him we need to get him on, but he we've just connected through Facebook, and he's got four kids. Um, he's got a 22-year-old, which is crazy because I, I can't think of any of us having a 22-year-old. Um, but yeah, I want to send a shout out to him. I'd love to have him on and we got to get Barry on again because Barry gets us the ratings. He knows he does too. Yeah. Barry's the ratings king. Yeah. But, right, but that's about it for me. Um, let's do the music. Let's I'm hit the music. Myself. Have a great weekend, buddy. I don't speak right, but did I know what?